Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The Standard is the Standard. And for the first time on The Standard, we have extraordinaire Mike Beck, the guy that gets all the interviews. What's up, Mike? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. West Coast Connection. Uh, I'm excited for this duo. I think I think uh, it's the start of something good. Yeah, I think that works well. You're up in where? Vancouver? Yeah, you got it. Vancouver, Canada. And I know you're down in Cali, so just living up on this. Uh, it's a sunny day out here. I'm hoping it is down there, too. Let me ask, what's the, what's the hockey club up there? Is it the Canucks? Yeah, you got it right. That's uh, that's uh, it, It's been a rough couple of years, but starting to look up, so... Let me ask you, were were you a Grizzlies fan as well? You know what? It was, it was just a little, like, not to date myself being just a complete baby, but like a little before my time. Um, Honestly, I don't, I don't think anyone really was a Grizzlies fan here, to be honest with you. It (laughs) would do good now. I I will tell you that basketball is bigger in Vancouver now than it's ever been. But uh, if I doubt they'll, we'll ever see a team again. Before we jump into the show, I'm going to pop my collar just a little bit. And I'm glad that Mike talked about how young he is because tomorrow I will be hitting the 5-0. I'll be turning 50 tomorrow. Happy birthday. You know, after I do this show, thank you, sir, I will, the drinking will start. As soon as I hit in broadcast, I will have a cognac in my hand. So that's what I'm going to do. And hopefully, if you're listening to the program, please, the gift that I ask for you to give us is hit the like button. Please hit the like button. Please subscribe. I was We're trying to get the 6,000 subscribers by the end of June. I was hoping you guys would do it by my birthday, which is tomorrow, June 18th. But let's get to 6,000 by the end of June. Before we hop in the show, I want to give a big shout out to the editor of Behind and Still Curtain, Dave Schofield. Big big shout out to Big Bro Sco. Big shout out to Tony Defio as well. Big shout out to all the writers, Jeffrey Benedict, everybody that does a fantastic job on Behind the Still Curtain. And in the last couple of shows, it was pretty political given what was going on. We're going to take it back to football. We're going to jump right back into football. And the title of this program is Will Cam Hayward sign a contract extension before the start of the season. And I'm glad I got you on the program, Mike, because you just wrote a nice little article about Cam Hayward and just how good he has been over the last year or the last couple of years, I should say. So let me ask you this question to start off the program. How important do you think Cam Hayward is to this defense and what is his role on this defense and how good is he in that role? I tell you what, I think his his uh, his touch on this team goes far past the field. He is such a vocal leader. I think I think it would be a pretty big hit if Cam Hayward wasn't here. And if he does play out his entire career as a Pittsburgh Steeler, when he goes, someone's going to need to step up in that vocal role. So I think he is one of those like absolute key members, even though he's not putting up the flashy uh, numbers that T.J. Watt is or say like Minka Fitz- Fitzpatrick is. I think uh, Cam Hay- Hayward is the engine that makes this defense go. So I, I think it'd be a huge loss if uh, if he wasn't uh, wearing that black and gold anymore. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I think he is, you know, as an interior lineman, I think the value of interior defensive linemen has increased as the passing game has gotten much quicker in the National Football League. You have to get in- interior gut pressure. Not to say that edge rushers 
the importance of edge rushers are minimized. But edge rushers, a lot of times, can be schematically eliminated in a game based on how you design your passing game. And I think when you have that that interior presence that he provides, I think you're absolutely right that his role is vital and he plays it very well. Now, you wrote an article on the site, and make sure you guys go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It's called, Is Cam Hayward the Second Best Interior Defensive Lineman in the National Football League? Now, let me quote some stats. Now, I think you said second best because I think everybody believes that Aaron Donald is a generational talent. Aaron Donald from Pittsburgh, played for the University of Pittsburgh, is a generational talent. Outside of him, let me give these numbers that you listed in your article. So, and I think this is over, correct me if I'm wrong, over a three-year stretch. Last three years, yeah. So Cam Hayward has 29 sacks, 179 tackles, four forced fumbles, and 12 pass defensed. Now, his comparison or his comp players, Fletcher Cox, 19.5 sacks, 112 tackles, five forced fumbles, five passes defensed. J.J. Watt, 20 sacks, 100 tackles, eight forced fumbles, eight and nine passes defense. Akeem Hicks, 17 sacks, 119 tackles, three forced fumbles, and five pass defense. I won't even consider Leonard Williams because his numbers pale to any of those other players. So you asked the question in your article, is he the second best interior defensive lineman? So I will ask you on the program, is he the best second? Is he the second best interior lineman in the NFL? Right. You know, quickly to touch on even Aaron Donald, I, I would put him as the best player in football right now. He He's just been doing some incredible stuff. But Cam Hayward as that number two is nothing to laugh at. I, I absolutely think he is. Um, I always knew he was good, but uh, until they played at Indianapolis and he just bullied Quentin Nelson, who I believe is the best guard, maybe even the best offensive lineman in football right now, just bullied him all over that field. I knew this guy was better than anyone not named Aaron Donald. Cam Hayward is doing some stuff that is absolutely incredible right now. So uh, 100%, I believe he is the second best defensive tackle in football. Now, we talked about value. And I think in football, a lot of ways you can define value is, will your team survive if you're missing? So will you continue to win games? Will your defense continue to be the same if you're not on the field? Will your presence be missed if you're gone? And that's and that's subjective, right? Sometimes you can't measure that out concretely in numbers. If Cam Hayward, you know, because the Steelers' defense, we've seen – them survive Stefan to it and play excellent football. Let's flip it. Stefan to it doesn't get hurt, but Cam Hayward gets hurt. Can this defense survive and be a dominant defense like they were last year if Cam Hayward is the player that gets hurt for a long stretch instead of a Stefan to it per se? You know, I think what's interesting about that is how good Tuit was playing those first six games of the year. Um, I think the impact would be a little less on the field stuff. I think the team would still play at a very high rate. But I think when it comes to those leadership stuff, when someone steps out of line, Cam's the guy who's always there. He's the guy talking to the media. He's taking the fall. So I think uh, in a season where things could have unraveled way faster then they never really did until those last three games when they couldn't, the offense completely just, uh, just rolled over. But I think he's one of those guys that absolutely in that locker room held that group together. And I think his impact 
on the field, he's one of the best de defense linemen. Can can they minimize that? I think they can, especially the schemes that they run and the players that they have, especially that position. But when it comes to being off the field, he is so integral to how that how that team runs. I think that would be dearly missed, absolutely, especially when it comes to post game interviews. Now let's look at the stats that he had, Cam Haber, from last year, and, and let's try to quantify this and see where they would get his missing production or if they could get his missing production. Last year, he had 83 tackles. He had nine sacks. I think what stands out is as an interior lineman, he's getting nine sacks. If he's out for an extended amount of time, where do they get those nine sacks from? Who steps up to replace that on-field production for this defense? So I think I think to it um, throughout the rest of the year probably would have been flirting around those numbers too. But uh, outside of that, I, I don't know if Ty like Tyson Alualu is putting up those those numbers quite. He 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 plays a good game, but uh, he's not the guy that's putting up any, anything crazy. He's not lighting the world on fire. Outside of that, what Javon Hargrave? He he was a beast, but of course he's gone now. So that could have been replicated there. But uh, if we are looking into the future, I don't think. That guy's really on the roster yet. I think uh, to it, his numbers can rival Cam's. But uh, again, just slipping back in that whole what he does off the field, what he does for this team, it, I don't really think there's that guy on this roster. Do you think of the nine sacks, maybe they get a couple of sacks more from Watt? Maybe you sprinkle it around. Dupree gives you another two. Um, to it gives you, you know, maybe 10, nine or 10. Alu kind of gives you one more. Do you think they could get the nine sacks by committee? Maybe a, a DB picking up an extra sack off of a blitz, you know, sort of get it by committee. Do you think they could do it that way? This team has been so good in like a pass rushing sense that guys have been around the quarterback so often that I think that uh, a lot of those numbers probably could be spread around a little bit differently if, say, that person isn't on the field as a Cam Hayward. How many times is TJ Watt close in a sack that someone else got? How many times is Bud Dupree right there? It happened at such a high rate that I think that it can absolutely continue that production wise, I think there like there would be some times where it steps back where Cam just made an outstanding play. But uh I, I think in some senses you're gonna see some guys uh pick up where Cam would have left off in that kind of role. Now James Cowball chimed in and big up to James. He chimed in and said that two had, had four sacks in the first two games before he got hurt. Now let's 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 jump into the scenario. You have both guys in the lineup. You get a healthy to it and a healthy Cam Hayward in the lineup. They're both playing like we know that they can play. I believe this defense had, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe about 52 or 53 sacks. Right. I think that's correct. Yeah, 52, I think it was this year. What does the sack total look like if they're both playing? What does this defense look like if you have a healthy Cam and a healthy to it and this defense stays healthy. They were terrific turning the ball over. They didn't give up a ton of points. They didn't give up a ton of big plays. They got after the quarterback, got a ton of pressures. I mean, they're already rated the best defensive line by pro football focus without a healthy Stephon to it. What does this defense look like with a healthy Cam Hayward 
and a healthy Stefan to it. Who honestly, I think it would just be terrifying. Like when it comes to sacks, I don't know how much more they can get because they've been flirting around with NFL records when it comes to sacks in a season. Will will they put up more? Absolutely. I think the impact of both of them would be felt in the running game. Uh, some teams, because of Pittsburgh offense, couldn't put up any points. When they got points off turnovers, they could just sit on the ball, hand it off, run the clock out. You can't really do that when both these guys are on. Like when you look back to uh, 2018, both these like I don't even think Stefan had quite taken that step yet, but uh, they were pretty dominant. There's so many times they're forcing three and outs, and can this defense average? 10 points a game possibly just because of how good that front seven is and then you look at the secondary and it's the it's the best it's been since troy's been lurking the that deep uh, half of the field so i think this defense is going to be terrifying in 2020 if if those guys are healthy they're gonna have to game plan quick passes which i think will only help increase those turnover numbers to your point if, if they have a healthy both of them I can envision that this defense will be the equivalent of the OA championship defense. It'll be every bit as good because they'll equally be better at the edge linebackers with Watt and Dupree than they were with uh, Woodley and, and James Harrison. And I think in their defensive line will be absolutely better and they'll be better as a secondary as well. Cause I think the collective of their secondary is better than the collective secondary in 08. I know people are going to kill me for that. I did a show about that a while back, how I thought that this current secondary was the best secondary in the Tomlin era with the addition of Minka Fitzpatrick. I can't imagine how good this defense will be fully intact with a healthy defensive line. I think it'd be absolutely, it'll, it'll be, I think it'll be, and I don't want to be into hyperbole as I'm turning into an old man at 50. I don't want to jump into hyperbole and jump into nostalgia. But dare I say, if Tewitt and Hayward, if Tewitt and Hayward play, it'll be curtain-esque. Yeah, no, I agree. And to to your point with that secondary, I, I think 2008, like that one weakness of the defense was that other corner spot. Like teams would pick on McFadden or Townsend or Willie Gay, whoever was there. That's where they're going with the ball because the rest of the defense was pretty locked. If you look at the other side of the field now, Steven Nelson's, he's going to be flirting with being one of those top 10 quarters in football. And I honestly believe that because you never hear this guy's name. Teams look at him. I think he's like, is he even five foot 10? Teams are throwing their biggest receivers out there and they're still trying to throw him the ball. And he's shutting guys like DK Metcalf down. He played bigger than he is. I think this secondary can be outstanding, especially with the amount of pressure that front seven can put up. Steel curtain ask is absolutely, they're going to have to throw the ball fast, and these guys are going to be on them tight. This coverage is going to be outstanding. So I think uh, I think there's a good reason to be excited. Now let me ask you, it sounds like you're going to agree with me, and, and we're, we, I don't want to get too far off the topic. We'll get back to it. But you talked about the secondary. We talked a little bit about it. And Steven Nelson is better than Joe Hayden. Am I wrong? As Joe Hayden ages, I, I would say uh, Steven Nelson's probably their corner one. Uh, I, I think uh, I think he, he just plays a little a smoother game. Uh, Joe, when it comes to like those ball skills, um, he's always in the neighborhood, but it seems to be more pass defense than interceptions. When it comes to Steven Nelson's side, the ball's just not not even getting there. He's just he's just shutting the wide receivers down. That receivers are almost playing DB. Now, as Rania Maya said, Tuit is better than Kiesel. 
Cam is better than Aaron. TJ is better than Woodley. And the current Steeler cornerbacks are better than Ike and McFadden. I don't disagree. What's your thoughts? You know what? I, not to be an Ike Taylor hater, but there there has been some times where he, as the guy who would blanket the number one, he'd follow him all over the field, he could get burned. There, there were games that that happened. Um, and when it comes to all those players, I, I think it's kind of fair in the sense of that that front three in uh, back in 2008, Hampton, Smith, and Kiesel, they were just meant to take up space. They did it outstanding. Th- their chemistry together, they, they clogged up that middle and they let the linebackers just go to work. Um, I think Tewitt and Hayward are guys that are going to make plays more so than uh, Smith and Kiesel ever would. Um, Lamar Woodley, he kind of just ate himself out of the NFL. You hate to say it, but uh, I, I, I think that the better comp would have to be TJ Watt and James Harrison because TJ Watt's going to be flirting with defensive player of the year. Again, if he plays a healthy 16 games in 2020, it, it, would he be better than that 2008 James Harrison? I doubt it, but I think there's a chance he, he's going to push to break that 16-sack record that Harrison set that year. So it could be interesting. What the biggest challenge might be, though, the other talent on this defense is going to limit people's stats, and yeah. it's kind of it's going to hurt someone from absolutely exploding. So I, I think they have potential to be better than that team was, but – I think the stats are just going to be spread around so much more that it's kind of going to be hard to kind of compare the two at the end of this season. The one thing I can remember about that defense is that I had the total faith and belief that that defense would make a play whenever it needed. If it needed, for instance, and and I'll give you an example, it was the Deshae Townsend play late in that game against Dallas where he got the interception, where – I just was like, look, they're going to make a play. They're going to they're, they're going to make a play. You know, they are absolutely going to make a play. And I remember that play so much because it was pretty emotional because my cousin passed away from a football injury uh, that weekend. He was a uh, running back for Central Catholic uh, by the name of Kyle Wilson. He passed away that weekend. So that was an emotional game. Our family was together watching that game. And we were just, we're going to make a play. We're going to make a play. Everybody just saying, just looking at each other, they're going to make a play. They are going to make a play. He made that interception. We were like, yes, absolutely. We just knew it. I had complete faith in that defense. I'm not there yet with this defense because they haven't done it on the big stage. But I'm close to it. I'm close to it. But before we jump back to the main topic, because it's great talking defensive football. Before we get back to the main topic of the program of Will Cam Hayward sign a contract extension before the end of the season, before the start of the season, I'll say. Let me give a big shout-out to Jonas Brother 2505. Now, Jonas, I want to give you a shout-out, but we got to kick you. There's the (laughs) rule. A grown man cannot have a grown man's name in his handle. That's a technical foul. That, that that's a technical foul. Now in the U.S., that's a technical foul. Is that a technical foul in Canada? Oh, in Canada, I think that's just five minute five minute major in the box. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's high sticking. You get five minutes for high sticking. Oh, high sticking's two minutes, but if you, if you draw blood, it's four. So, <laughs> what do you what do you need to do to get five minutes in hockey? Oh, uh, five minutes would be fighting. Uh, 
Fighting with the stick? No, no. Fighting with the stick that you're getting thrown out of the game for that. That's, that's a little bit more. <laughs> uh, boarding, if it, if it, uh, their backs to, to the play, you put their head in the boards, that's that's getting you five. A few other things, unsportsmanlike, stuff like that. It, it's kind of rare, but it comes up. It feels like when I was watching hockey, you could do that and get like two minutes. Oh, one minute. different now, yeah. <laughs> you can give a guy three concussions, and you can give a guy a concussion in every period, and you still wouldn't get kicked out. <laughs> no, and that player is expected to be on the next shift, too. <laughs> yes, with three teeth missing. But let's jump back into the main topic. So when we talk about a contract extension, one, do you think he's going to get a contract extension? And going back to your article, in terms of a player comparison, if the Steelers are going to look for a player comparison for his contract, what's the closest player that they could look at in terms of trying to craft his contract. Now, I know you had Fletcher Cox, you had J.J. Watt, Akeem Hicks, Leonard Williams. What's a player that they can use as a benchmark to create the contract if you think he indeed is going to get a long-term contract before the season starts? Now, I think it's going to be kind of based off sort of three players. The first, Aaron Donald, his average value, $22.5 million a year. Second, Fletcher Cox, who's at $17.3 million a year on average. And then thirdly, Stefan Tuitt being that teammate, uh, just signed his deal, what, two years ago, $13 million a year. I think he, Cam Hayward's going to be more inclined to take more of a team-friendly-ish deal, especially just with his ties to the city and how long he's already been there. His family's, his, his young family's grown up there. I think he'll take a little bit less, but in terms of, uh, that it's closer to Fletcher Cox deal, less in comparison to where kind of trajectory is going because, of course, we're labeling, well, myself labeling him the second best interior defense lineman in the league would probably rival Aaron Donald's, but I don't think he's someone who's going to be signing for $20 million a year. I think roughly that kind of $17.5 million range is probably fair um, to kind of assume, but it's going to be in that neighborhood uh, if, if I had a guess. Uh, he doesn't have those defensive player of the year awards, so I don't think it's going to be pushing 20, but uh, he, he's due a raise and to it would be paid more if uh, his deal ran out this year too. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I agree with you. I think he will do a contract extension. Now, if he doesn't, is he a stealer moving forward? Would they? Do you presume that they would get something done for him next year? Because I think if he does not sign a contract extension, I don't think he's a stealer moving forward. I don't. I don't think they get something done next year with the. With I think if they do not have if they do not have players in the stands, the impact to the salary cap, I think it's just tough next year with the uncertainty of whether they're going to have fans and the impact of the cap. So I don't think if he if he doesn't sign an extension, I don't think he's a stealer. If he does not sign one, will he still be in the black and gold? The, the salary cap moving into next year is it's going to be such a dicey thing. It, it it's hard to even fathom what the number is going to be. Like it should still go up, but it, it's going to be interesting. 
But um, if he doesn't sign it this year, and honestly, I'm kind of of the belief that I don't really think anyone's getting a, another deal signed until teams kind of know what these numbers will be moving forward. So I think there is still the potential for it to happen. However, I'm it just it depends on what happens to cap there's no there's no way it can drop if it stays stagnant i think i think there's a chance he he does sign but you're going to see a lot of losses in 2020 and behind the still curtain zone brian anthony date davis aka who's bad he answered <laughs> omar khan is magic with the checkbook he'll find the cash for the steelers to retain cam i wish he'd teach my wife how to manage money Bad. I'm gonna tell your wife to listen to the show. <laughs> you can't in bad shape. You can't. You can't. Mrs. Bad, listen to the show. And because bad is being a bad boy, you can't rip the wife on the show. Bad. Come on, man. You can't do that. Bad. So, Mrs. Bad, I'm gonna make sure you turn. I'm gonna make sure you tune into the program and listen to the show. So, bad can be in the bad house. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> Instead of the doghouse, so bad call it the touchdown zone. So I'm not going to call it the doghouse. I'm going to call it the bad house. <laughs> I have a feeling you spent a few nights in the bad house recently. <laughs> Mr. 2 a.m. There you go. There's a name here on this list in terms of interior defensive line contracts that jumps out to me that you did not mention. Okay. DeForest Buckner. Mm. Just signed with the Colts. His averages are 21, 21 million per year, which is astronomical for, I think, for DeForest Buckner. But what about the name Grady Jarrett of the Falcons? His averages are at 17 million. I mean, do you think that Cam Hayward is better than Grady Jarrett? See, I, I I would say he is. Like when it comes to DeForest Buckner, that number almost surprises me. I feel like I feel like that had to get done in order for that trade to go through. He wasn't accepting anything less. But uh, Grady Jarrett, when it comes to that deal, I think that's going to be another one of those comps uh, just because where Cam Hayward is in respect of, uh, to his peers. But I still think he's someone who would be willing to take a bit less just based on his ties to Pittsburgh. When I'm looking at, when I'm looking at these names, I, I think he's better than Geno Atkins at this point. And Geno's averages are 16.3. J.J. Watts at 16.6. Jared's at 17. Fletcher Cox is at 17.1. Then you get the big jump to DeForest Buckner and then Aaron Donald's at 22.5. So I think you're right that the number is in that 17 million range. Let me read to you with friend of the program, Ian Whetstone of SteelCityInsider.com when I reached out to him in terms of what he thought the deal would look like. And let me read this. He said, I've been thinking for some time now that 17 million in new average per year money feels like the number. They've been pretty hesitant recently, the Steelers, to do anything longer than three years for older players. Ben Pouncey Hayden. But I have a feeling this could be four, maybe even five years. So three or four new years. He said he signed, he's already signed at 9.5. So if the new deal for four, were for four years at 17 APY, that would mean that would be 77.5 million over the full five years, which would drop his cap figure this year a little. So something like a $15 million signing bonus, another 4.5 in roster bonus, a big roster bonus next March, like 12 million plus a 5 million base next year. 
than bases of 13, 14, 14. So he also said that his cap number, if they did the deal as he described, would drop from 13.2 to 11.2 with hits from four new years of 20 million, 16, 17, and 17. If it looks like that, I think it gets done. I think the issue is that $20 million hit in terms of salary cap for an interior defensive lineman in year two feels like that that's tough. That feels like that's tough with Ben being at 40 million next year. And you've got two players accounting for $60 million in cap space. That doesn't feel warm and fuzzy. No, uh, that's, that's one of the things I'm trying to wrap my head around too, especially because how many guys are coming up TJ Watt, they're locking him in. There's no way he they're letting him walk away. So there's, that number is going to be astronomical too. So, and then Minka Fitzpatrick after that, they they got to figure out a way to kind of maneuver this cap around a little bit. Maybe, oh, and now I'm just thinking crazy, <laughs> crazy numbers. But backload it. I don't. I don't know. It, it's it's got to be it's got to be configured in a way to get these young guys in. And like Nathaniel Zarate says, why can't the Steelers just give Cam one million deal, one million dollar deal, and just give him sixteen million secretly to help the cap? Because that's not legal. You can't do that. I mean, I, I, you, I, I don't think you can do that. Maybe you sell him a sixteen million dollar share. You give him <laughs> a sixteen million dollar share of the Steelers which presumably will be much more than $16 million for the foreseeable future whenever they sell the team, if they if they ever sell the team. But I'm not sure they could pull that deal off. No, I, th- I, think, I think the low number might uh, set off some alarms somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's signing for one minute. Hey, one, uh, I think, the, I, I think uh, the, the radar w- would go off. But when does this deal happen? I think we both think that the deal is going to happen. You know, when when does this happen? The Steelers have, and me and and Dave Schofield, uh, the editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, remember to like the program, remember to subscribe. I need my 6,000 subscribers by the end of June. When does this deal happen? The Steelers typically don't do deals. And we were thinking like that weekend of the first game. I thought it was maybe the Friday I think Bad was saying that it usually extends into like the first game, like right before the first game, be it Sunday or Monday night, that they don't do any contracts after that. When does this happen if they do this? I think there's a chance that this might just be an anomaly year just based on everything that's going on. Whenever a salary cap is released for 2021, if you were to sign a guy for that big number now, and you find out the cap's actually dropping, teams are just going to be completely handcuffed, and those contracts are going to hurt a lot of a lot of teams. I think I think from here on out, those extensions are gonna just have to wait until that number's released. I think it'd be foolish for a team to be signing someone long term for a, a huge number, just because it, it could just completely completely handcuff them for a, a, the number of years in the future. And like Jeffrey Benedict says of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, they can't, meaning I guess the NFL, can't let the cap drop much at all. The entire NFL would be screwed, and so many star players would be able to get good contracts. There's no way that will happen. And 
I did a show, I believe it was last week about, um, I think it was on, yeah, I said it talking about players kneeling and, 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 but I think a part of that show was also, they're going to have fans in the stands. The, the, the hit, they're going to sacrifice fans' health for money. I mean, that's just the way it, it, it's going to happen. They're going to have fans in stands for all 16 games. The revenue that teams generate from stadium, from stadium revenue is ridiculous. Just thinking of the Cowboys off the top of my head, 65% of their revenue comes from stadium, from the stadium. They're not giving that up. You know, they're not giving that up. If they make, they made about, this is 2018 numbers. They made about 950 million in revenue. About 650 million of that was stadium revenue. They're not giving that up. You may have to sign a waiver to get to your seats, but they're going to let you get to your seats. So I don't think it's going to be a case of the cap dropping. I think fans will be in stands week one, and it'll be whatever it'll be. But the NFL is not going to lose all that money. So I don't think there'll be it'll be an issue um, in, in terms of the salary cap. But I think you're right, though. I think teams will be conservative, that they won't have to rush out and do it. I think the Steelers know that Cam wants to be a Steeler. I think they want him to be a Steeler for the remaining of his career so they can wait to the end. I mean, I don't think there's any rush. I think this deal gets done before game one. I mean, I think it gets done, you know, as late as it needs to get done. But I think if they come up with, if the NFL decides to have fans earlier than I think they will, then I think it'll get done around there. Whenever they figure out that they're going to have fans in the stands, I think they sign the contract and get that done. Right now, if if that's the case, then absolutely. And if there's guys that would do a deal, I think going into the season, it's going to be the guys that just absolutely have those ties to the city. I think it'd be a mistake for James Conner sign now, just because all all the all the the balls just completely in the the Steelers side. But he might be willing to do it too, just to stay in Pittsburgh. He he grew up in Pittsburgh. He did everything there. Cam, of course, his dad going to Pitt, and then his ties to the city as well. I, I could see him being another one of those guys that if anyone's going to do it, it'd be a guy like him. I, you, you won't see Juju's deal being done this year for sure. There's, there's, there's no way. No. Um, thinking the other free agents, big Al, that, that's not going to happen either. Uh, he he kind of has to prove it a little bit in 2020. Uh, what else do we got? Cam Sutton, Mike Hilton. I think both those guys are going to battle for the spot in 2020. So th- those deals, I don't think will get done until, until next year. So, yeah, I think if Sutton wins that. I think Sutton wins that too. I think I, Mike I Hilton is probably on his last year. I think surprisingly, when you talk about Big Al, I didn't think about Big Al. I think Big Al has to play really well this he, year, or Big Al's out the door. I think he played a murderer's row of defense lineman last year, though. I, I will give him that benefit of the doubt. Some of the best uh, pass rushers in the league he had to face week in, week out. This is a much easier year for him. So if he doesn't show up, then they can show him the door. Yeah, and it looked like he played a murderer's row of, of defensive linemen last year. Al looked pretty bad last year. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you face tough guys, you know, it's tough sledding. I mean, guys are in the league for a reason. They're trying to eat steak, not hamburger. And there so, you, uh, you know, if you're a meal, they're going to make a meal out of you. They're going to make you into a seven-course dinner. And there, there were some games that, uh, you know, they made Al look bad. And I don't think it helped with they had, you know, the statuesque quarterbacks. 
particularly Mason Rudolph staying in one place in the pocket at all times. So that I don't think that helped him. So we both think that Cam is here next year. We we both think he's he is going to be a stealer for the rest of the year. I want you to rank where where does he rank on this defense and rank a couple of the defense in terms of because I think we think Cam is really all that in a bag of chips and that Cam is really good. You know, you're talking about a 17 million a year player. Where does Cam rank? Not in terms of importance, but just you think in terms of his position, how good he is. You look at the scope of the NFL. Where does Cam rank on this defense? I think right now, and I think some people, I think most people won't agree with me, but I think he's probably right behind TJ Watt. I think it's going, I think Minka Fitzpatrick will pass him this year. He was electric a year ago, but Cam, what he was doing in the middle, he was just dumping guards on top of quarterback's lap. So I think, uh, I think this is going to be, uh, I think this year he probably takes a step back to that number three spot. But uh, I think Cam is still, I think he's still the second most important member of this defense. I'm going to say third. I'm going to say third right now. But I don't think that's, I don't want anybody listening to the show to think I'm knocking Cam. I just think that TJ and Minka were so good. And in fact, I'm probably in the minority because I think Minka was probably number one on the defense. I think Minka was one, Watt was second, and Hayward was third. Because I think it's clearly, and, and Jeffrey and I are going to talk about it next week, from a film perspective, perspective, just what was the Minka effect? Because we clearly saw it, but I want Jeff to speak to it about what it looks like on film. The Minka effect is real. That defense changed. It transformed with the addition from Minka Fitzpatrick. And it wasn't gradual. It was immediate. Mm. They plugged Minka in. They were different. Started immediately when he started in San Francisco. The turnover started. The defense played different. It was game one, snap one. So that's why I put Minka Fitzpatrick as number one. But I think he's in that one, two, three. I mean, he's 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 there in that one, two, three. I mean, I think after that, you could argue Hayden, Nelson, uh, Dupree, um, anyone else. But, yeah, he's definitely in that one, two, three. And I think the talent on this football team, clearly you can see, is on the defensive side of football. I mean, defensively, what do they have, like eight first-rounders starting on defense? Oh, it's more than that. Um, when two when two was out because he was a second-round pick, Right, uh, I I think I think it was ten, I think it Jeez. was ten. I'll, yeah, I mean that's that's. I mean, if it was ten, I, I'm going to correct. I'm I'm going to just guess. No other defense in the in the history of the National Football League had ten starters that were drafted in the first round. Yeah, I'm gonna just guess. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't argue that. That yeah, that sounds about like right. That, like that 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 is. That that is awesome. Ezra said I'm age shaming. No, I'm not, Ezra. <laughs> I am not age shaming. There was a stat, I think it was from Robert Sasevitz. He put a stat up there, and we talked about it a little bit when we were talking about the impact and just how good this defense can be. In 2008, when they won the Super Bowl, they gave up 13.9. We were trying to tease and kind of speculate just how good this defense would be with Cam and to it. From a points-per-game perspective, 
how good could they be? Because I think they were around 16, maybe 16 and a half last year. I know it was under 17, and it wasn't 15. I think the Patriots were number one and around 14 a game, which is ridiculous in this era. How could how good could they be in terms of points per game with both of those guys being healthy, Hayward and Tua? You know, I, I tell you what, it, I think if the offense can just move the ball a little bit, I, I think they can drop that number even more. Um, I, it is honestly terrifying. If this team can develop some sort of an offense – they can chew up half the half the game clock. Could they be flirting with 13? Possibly just because this defense is loaded. I, I, I really cannot see a major flaw. Like you could probably target Terrell Edmonds, but you could throw Cam Sutton back there, depending on, on what the situation is. You see Vince Williams out in the field, sure. They might want to try to dink and dunk it over him, but then yeah, you could you could not put him in man. So it's like I think for what their kind of weaker spots are, they have abilities to cover up for them. Um, and I think this team, they can they can push that that 14 points that the Patriots had a year ago. I, I think they'll be flirting around with that number two. So let's say it's let's say it's let's say it's 15. Okay. Let's just say let's just put it in between the 14. Let's let's say it's it's 15. In in my analysis and research of championship teams. Championship teams win, their, their point differential is probably around seven and a half points a game. It, it's anywhere between like seven and 10 points. It ranges in there. The minimum is typically seven. You can't give up less than seven a game unless you were, I think it was the Denver Broncos, that Peyton Manning team. Mm. Typically, it does not happen. With Ben coming back, they're giving up 15 points a game. I could think that that point differential could be scary because I think just a healthy Ben gets you from 18, which I think they averaged last year. I think that was the average number around there. I think just Ben being back gets you at least to 23, 24. You know, maybe you average a touchdown better, which is a big leap. But I think Ben provides that impact. Can you imagine with Ben – at the quarterback position and them giving up 15 points per game, you're talking about to me, that sounds like a Super Bowl contender. I completely agree. Uh, could you imagine this team with the killer bees right now? They would blow the they would blow one out. It'd be it'd be one of the most outstanding one-sided affair I could ever imagine. Honestly, like this team, if I remember when they're saying they wanted to push 30, but right now if they're pushing 24, I think they'll win a ton of games. And I think a lot of people, especially online are writing the Steelers off for whatever reason. I think they're going to be the surprise. I think when it comes to week eight and when you look at the Steelers schedule, there's a chance they could be eight. No heading. I think that going into Baltimore, I think there's a legitimate chance they could be flirting with that number. And then everyone's going to be like, Oh, the, the Steelers are, they're good. But it's like, no, this defense was that good a year ago. And now they're scoring points. Like, look out. Now, Jeffrey Benedict says all they need is a lead. Force the opponent to focus on passing the ball. That's all this defense needs from that offense. I think he's right. I mean, this defense, just think of it this way. They were that good with a bad offense and still got those many turnovers. Yeah. You know, teams did not have to pass the ball a lot against them. I mean, because they were going, you were going to be in the game. Their offense was so bad. You were always going to be in the game. You did not have to push the envelope offensively 
and they still got a bunch of turnovers. I think the sky's the limit, uh, you know, for this team, particularly if Ben Roethlisberger comes back and they keep Cam Hayward and sign Cam Hayward and keep this defense intact for this year. I think this could be a magical run for this defense. Now, I did a model a couple of weeks ago. We did a prediction show that I did like a little model and trying to predict the record. And I, my model predicted the Steelers at 13 and three. Unfortunately, the model predicted the Ravens at 16 and 0. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the model pred- predicted the Ravens at 16 and 0 because the Ravens are favorite in every game. Right. It, 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 it predicted them 16 and 0. I think when uh, Jeff Hartman, we did the show with, with Bad, and I think it was Dave Schofield. We all did a prediction show. I think I had them at 12 and four. I think Bad had them at 11 and five. And I think Dave had them at 13 and three. Where do you have them? What's your prediction for the Steelers in terms of their record for the 2020 season? Right. So I think you got to take a couple things into consideration here, especially they have the second easiest schedule this year. Ben coming back, how good this defense was. This offense added a ton of talent. Oh, man, I, I would love to tell you 13-3, and 14-2, and because I think they can do it. But just based on a couple unknowns, I'm going to still say 12-4, and four, which should breeze them into the playoffs. And unfortunately, still might end up being a wildcard team at 12-4. and four. But uh, I, I, think, I think this team is absolutely a playoff contender. If they can knock off Baltimore for that AFC North title, I think they're making a run in the playoffs too. Could they be playing in the Super Bowl? They have a Super Bowl caliber defense. So as long if Ben is if Ben is twenty eighteen Ben, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I, I want to apologize to Ben Roethlisberger because you know I was calling him uh, Fat Albert. I was making the Ben fat jokes. I saw a picture of Ben the other day with the haircut and the beard freshly quaffed. You know, Ben looks like uh, he he dropped a few lbs. You know, maybe he was uh, working out with the Mr. Electronic Football Man, Ryan Switzer. Maybe they were working out in Ben's mansion in Pennsylvania. Maybe they got in good shape. Ben looks good. Ben looks good. Ben looks like a guy is motivated again, you know, sort of when you have something that you love taken away from you and you feel that motivation to get it back, not necessarily to prove anything to anyone, but just it's something that you love. You get it back. You realize how much you love it and you really appreciate it and you cherish it. And they gave him about another $25 million last year for playing about six quarters. So you mix those two things together and, you know, that's a lot of love and a lot of appreciation. Yeah. You know, what? like, see, I saw a couple pictures of Ben and then what James Conner said, who's been working out also with the, with those guys. James Conner says he's never seen Ben so motivated. So that's, that is so like, oh, like heading into this year, I couldn't be more excited. Just everyone's talking Ben up. If he's really this good, this team should be the cream of the crop. They should be there with Kansas City and Baltimore. There's no reason why they shouldn't be. Yeah. I think the way they're, they're set up, particularly on the back end, that they're one of the few teams that match up pretty well against Kansas City. You know, they're just going to have to play a good football game. I think they'll split with Baltimore. Baltimore is definitely going to be the team that they're going to – it's going to be tough uh, for, for them for sure. But, but Mike, is there anything else you want to jump into before we conclude the program? Um, to touch on that point with splitting against Baltimore, I think uh, – think that Thanksgiving game because it's a Thursday night and 
Pittsburgh's at home. I think typically, historically, those Thursday night games are won like 80% of the time by the home team. And then especially on Thanksgiving, I think that even multiplies it more. So I think that's going to be huge. It, it depends on what happens over at uh, M&T. If they can win in Baltimore, I, phew, th- this, this Steelers team has – I think they have the inside track of winning the AFC North. Whether or not people in Baltimore are going to admit it, they're not. But uh, I think I think they have that shot to be an AFC North champion, and that could get you that buy. And there's only one buy team this year, so it, it's exciting. And I think uh, I think all you Steelers fans out there, including us, should be real excited heading this year. Now, before we get out of here, Jeffrey Benedict put up another good point. The Browns could split the series. They had the best game plan against the Steelers secondary of anyone. I'm going to take a look at that game and see, because I get intrigued by the statement. And the statement that you made, I want to look at again about Cam Hayward against Quentin Nelson. I want to see that matchup as well, because those are two guys at the top of their game. Do you got anything that the fans uh, of Behind the Steel Curtain should look forward to you? Any articles, anything you're going to write up this week that you want to tease? Yeah, you know what? I got a couple of good things. Of course, the A to Z, we're breaking down every single player on the Steelers roster, all nine of them. If you want to know their contract details, their stats, everything, it's going up on there. And uh, one other th- interesting thing I got going up uh, next couple of days here, keep your eyes uh, looking out for, got a contract prediction for Mason Rudolph. So that's going to be an interesting one, a little bit more money than uh, I think some of us will expect. So make sure you read that one coming up, uh, hopefully tomorrow, maybe the day after that. Good stuff. Good stuff. Make sure you guys are checking out the website. Make sure you guys are checking out the podcast. Now, for me, it's about five to ten seconds into start of birthday shenanigans. Unfortunately, exactly. There's not many places I can go to. There are no bars open anywhere in the United. Well, there's some bars open some places in the United States. No bars open in California. So I will be walking to my pantry opening up my pantry doors, opening up my bottle of Uncle Nearest, putting one ice cube into a bourbon glass and pouring me a nice couple of shots of bourbon as I sip some bourbon and get this 50-year-old celebration ready to roll. But with that, we are going to go ahead and conclude the program. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Happy birthday, lads. Thank you, sir.